Got it. You're listening to Women's Issues, Women's Voices on 89.5 FM, KOPN Columbia. I'm your host, Corey Flaker-Fraser. Women's Issues, Women's Voices is a feminist talk show with a rotating group of hosts. We offer a platform for women to share stories, discuss political issues, and offer concepts to expand the perceptual lens. Joining me today is Elizabeth Herrera. She's our new host, and we are really excited to have her. And I thought we'd take the time today to get to know Elizabeth and her background and hear about what she wants to talk about moving forward. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm so excited to be yeah, here. I'm so excited to get to know you and thank you. learn your uh, programming style and hear about all the things. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us why you decided you wanted to be a radio programmer on KOPN? Well, it's a long story that has its origin probably in Dominican Republic <laughs> many, many, many years ago. But um, I think, you know, for me, the, the issue of, of putting at the forefront the issues of women that women face, that women experience, and then fighting to uh, create a more equitable world, uh, a more sustainable world for women is something that I'm very passionate about, um, that I have been passionate about, I think, as long as I can remember. I've noticed differences in the way that women experience the world and the way that men experience the world. And um, it's something that's caused a lot of frustration. I'm a change maker, so I want to be a part of the change. And the way that we create change is by talking about it, by creating community uh, amongst women. Uh, it's something that women have been doing for millennia. We have created uh, invisible networks, literally invisible, and we have sustained each other. I think that we have drifted apart from that in many ways in the last couple hundred years. And um, what a great opportunity to be a part of creating those networks and be a host on Women's Issues, Women's Voices. I agree. So what's, tell me, something that stands out in your mind like when was the first time you noticed that women behave differently that men, than oh, men? Oh. <laughs> I have so many stories but one that comes into mind was um I must have been like around seven or eight years old and I have been I have just an adventurous spirit I think uh, my spirit just wants to be exploring and it wants to try things and do things and it's fearless I remember um, I used to really, really enjoy climbing trees when I was a little. Every, all the kids in the neighborhood, I grew up in Puerto Rico, and um, all the kids in the neighborhoods, um, we kind of climbed trees and everything. And so my uncle comes up to me and he says, you know, girls should not be climbing trees. And it just really is something that really struck, struck you know, stuck with me. I'm like, well, well, why can I climb trees, you know? And his explanation was, you know, you're wearing a dress and you shouldn't be climbing trees because you, you wear dresses and boys don't wear dresses. And I couldn't understand his logic. And I, I got into a little argument with him and I remember saying, well, and he kept trying to go back to the differences between males and females and boys wear under, uh, male um, calzoncillo, so male underwear and women wear uh, panties and they wear dresses. And I'm like, but I, if I wanted to wear um, excuse me, if I wanted to wear 
uh, male underpants, I could. There's nothing really stopping me from that. So just, you know, it, it, that was, I think, one of the most core memories that I have when I begin to try to, as I got older and begin to try to do different things that my spirit was calling for me to do. And the, the resistance didn't really come from me. The resistance came from the world around me. Um, and so throughout my life, I've just experienced things um, and I've been keenly aware of how women are socialized um, to behave, to do, and how men are socialized. And in many ways, how women are just limited even to be their fullest, um, live at their fullest potential because of the limitations that society puts on us. Yeah. In all cultures, mm-hmm. I, well, I can't say all cultures, but. I would say all cultures, I don't know. About you. <laughs> Maybe that one matriarchal society in China, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting. I also, we have to note that I, I want to point out that we also come from different cultures, although I had the same experience climbing trees. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. And I, and after somebody told me, gave me a hard time about climbing trees, I climbed every damn tree I could find after that. <laughs> but isn't that amazing? You and I grew up probably in very different cultural environment speaking different languages but there is a common thread about the experience of being a woman and I think we need to go back to that when we talk about um, the things that unite us yes there are intersectionalities absolutely and and there are different things that make our experiences more difficult but there are things that that thread us together and we need to hold on to that the fact that you had a similar experience um, to me where we are forever connected to that Mm-hmm. nobody else could experience that know what it's like yeah true and different trees too different trees <laughs> so you're joining a you're joining a legacy as joining KOPN and women's issues there since the beginning of women's issues I mean, since the beginning of KOPN women's issues women's voices feminist program I can't say w- women's issues, women's voices. Since the beginning of KOPN, feminist programming has been a, a strong force through the whole thing. <clears throat> and KOPN, just so you know, Elizabeth, KOPN was founded uh, in 1973 as an alternative to the first local radio station in town, which the founders of KOPN felt was not responsive enough to the community. <clears throat> Its mission from the beginning was to amplify the voices of marginalized groups in the area and signified by the call sign they chose as KOPN, a station open to the community at large. A diverse array of programming has always been our mission and focus. And a lot of the people that began KOPN were women and we all, um, and we have continued to be the backbone of the of KOPN as volunteers, not just being on the radio and not just like the voices you hear, you hear several voices, but in the background, there are people who are, we're currently moving the radio station. There are currently so many women volunteers that are doing the hard work of getting this move 
to actually happen because we make it happen. We do make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> and we've, and we've captured and encapsulated and um, recorded, documented the feminist discourse and things that have been happening to women over the past 50 years. And just on our show last week, um, we've been talking about, we've been covering and discussing the Roe v. Wade being overturned. Mm. And it's always we're always talking about current events. So that's something that I just feel really happy to be a part of in this current collective. So you are, you are joining a legacy and you will you'll help us continue the legacy into, into many shows to come. So, and I couldn't, I couldn't be more honored. Yeah. Thank you. Well, so we're talking about, if you're just joining us, we're with Elizabeth Herrera, Herrera. I'm, I'm going to practice saying Herrera. Say it with me. Herrera. Oh my gosh, you're Herrera. Good Herrera. job. Like okay. rah, rah, rah. Herrera. Herrera. I love it. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> so you, your background as a feminist and a woman is, your personal background is you're an Air Force vet. Yes. And you worked for True North mm-hmm. as the executive director. Yes. And you are a mother of three. Two. 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 How old are your kids? I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And a three-year-old, sorry. Four and They're three. 14 months apart. Yeah. Julian Andres and Adrian Javier. Mm. I like it. And um, your current, your current evolution is to become a, to, you're working with Stevens College on the mm-hmm. mission promise kept. And we'll I get am. in, we'll get into that more in the second half of the show. But first I wanted to um, focus on your experience as an Air Force vet. Oh, gosh. So um, in order for me to really capture that story, let's talk about, I grew up in Puerto Rico, um, the daughter of Dominican immigrants. And that's really important to say because um, I am a first generation American. Uh, my mom crossed El Rio Grande when she was eight months pregnant with me. Um, it's complicated even though she's from Dominican Republic so that she can get um, re- uh, become a resident of the United States. And this was in the 80s when Reagan was granting um, asylum. And so I, by, by, by nature of my mom's choices, I was born in U.S. soil and I became a U.S. citizen. And so I'm the first, first one to be born in my family in U.S. soil. Um, and so I grew up in Puerto Rico, really long, complicated history. I probably should write a book. Um, and so I, you know, I had a very, um, a very traditionally Latino upbringing in many ways. I grew up in a very Catholic environment. I um, grew up as an only child, even though I have many brothers and sisters. Um, my, the being of me as a woman was always very protected, um, very 
it, it very, it, it's also the dichotomy of existing as a woman in, in such a misogynist, patriarchal uh, environment where you are expected to be uh, protected and guard your sexuality and your virginity, but you're also expected to be highly sexual and, and be highly beautiful and, and all of that. So um, I did grow up in Catholic school. I didn't have a lot of experiences as far as, um, you know, with boyfriends or being in relationship with men. Um, and so I felt as though I lived a very uh, sheltered life and I felt like my soul was wanting more. I wanted to see things. I wanted to do things. I remember watching Titanic in the movie theaters and uh, I was sharing this story with someone else um, the other day. And to me, Rose, the main character, when I saw what Rose made of her, out of her life, I wanted that for me. So, you know, Rose after the, Titan after the Titanic um, sunk and, you know, Jack died, she created a life that was so full of experiences, full of meaning, full of um, joy. And I wanted that for me. And I felt that it would be impossible for me to achieve that um, staying in Puerto Rico. So as soon as I graduated high, graduated high school, I took um, the ASVAP, which is a test to join the military. And I did something that also had never been done before in my little school and my little community was join the Air Force right at a high school. Everybody was shocked. It was um, my mom. I think she almost had a heart attack. My dad was very supportive, but I made the decision based on the things that I wanted for myself to join the Air Force in 1999. And I did. I joined the Air Force. Um, I wanted, you know, the adventure. I wanted to see things. I wanted to experience the world in a way that um, was profound for me. And I learned a lot in the military. Um, number one is it's not the meritocracy that people say it is. It's not as equitable as, as, as people say it is. I had a lot of heartache, a lot of um, growing pains. I had to hurt, learn some really hard lessons um, about the world. I'm strong because of it. Um, and I'm grateful for all of the experiences because there has to be a level of gratitude because I, I, I experienced them and you know, I was able to grow from them, but it was definitely very challenging and it's not what I expected it to be. Um, I think that it's something that we need to talk about how women are preyed upon, not just in, in we talk about school campuses and uh, there's a great documentary called The Hunting Ground that talks about how women are preyed upon on college campuses. They're also preyed upon in the military. Um, and, th and the unfortunate thing is that the military abides by a different set of laws, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And there's a lot of, um, power that um, is given upon to people that may not know how to utilize that power um, and you end up ruining people's lives. So that's how I got into the military. Um, I was there, I did my first tour. I was actually in Whiteman Air Force Base here in Missouri. I did my first tour and then I went reserve. Um, I traveled all over, I've lived all over. Um, I was between being guard, reserve, and active reserve. I altogether, I spent 16 years in the military. And uh, yeah, it's a, just a really life changing, life forming experience. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming that coming from a sheltered community and joining, there was probably a lot of, a lot of 
veils being taken away as you're yes. learning how to be yeah. a be a young woman mm-hmm. becoming a young woman in the military yeah for sure and not not probably maybe not even recognizing that you're being preyed upon oh i did not i couldn't um and you you know yeah i'm i'm look, thinking back you know all of the things that i was how the system was really set up for me to fail from the beginning. It really was. And, and it's set up to fail for women that like myself that are naive, that come from a very sheltered environment. I didn't have any street smarts. Um, I remember men knocking on my door. It was a co-ed dorm and they would just bang on my door trying to get a date. I've never had a boyfriend at this point, you know? And I, here I am living alone in a co-ed apartment with people with different life experiences. It was scary as hell. Um, not um, taking some sexual advances from not participating in sexual advances or acknowledging um, being reciproc- reciprocating the sexual advances that some of my superiors were, were doing to me caused a lot of um, retaliation. I mean, people really, either they love me or they really hated me because I also have a big mouth. <laughs> and so... I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Or no, like you're being inappropriate. And it's, it's hard for them to realize that an 18 year old can have such a, such a will to fight and a will to survive. Um, I remember being date raped, not one, not two, several times. And that left a profound mark on my, on my soul. Um, for the longest time, I thought I deserved it because I put myself in the situation. And which led me to wanting to study the anthropology and the history of women. And my focus is on women and gender and to make my life of advocacy for women. Because once I understood historically how we have given away our power, like, you know, by incorporating into our psyche and and embedding into our psyche, things like shame and guilt. um, Once I understood that and how, how, um, detrimental it is to women, I could, I can find some forgiveness for myself and I can uh, maybe be a voice for other people to, to, that want to find their own voice. And they feel like, um, they're all alone, you know? So knowing that it's wrong, that those things happen to you, that those things happen to you and that you are in fact a victim. Um, and that sometimes we get the messages from society that we, that, because of certain behaviors, because maybe we were drinking, because maybe we did this, that we deserve the punishment that we get. And that is not true. That is fundamentally not true. And um, I, I just wanna be a part of helping women understand that they're more powerful than they realize. And I think that the world is just afraid of their power and afraid of, afraid of the women's own assertiveness. And so once I was able to do that, it, it became very liberating for me. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, well, actually studies, I've, I study a lot of psychology and child trauma and how to like help children recover from like experiences or help. I mean, mainly my, my focus is helping adults recover and become resilient to trauma they had when they were children. And sometimes the things that people say, like those negative things that are said to you, like 
shame and guilt, it just sticks. It just sticks in your body and it makes you unwell. And, and I'm just so focused and intent on like positive talk and positive, positive helping and like trying to uplift people instead of just shaming them into feeling like they're not very good. I know. And it's, and it's coming at, it's coming at a humanity at a rate that I can't even imagine, you know, like visualize, but I know it's coming at us a lot. I feel like it's coming at women tenfold of whatever the standard is for like men, women, and children to women, shame and guilt and these unrealistic expectations are just coming at us all the time. We don't stand the chance unless we start healing that and talking about it and liberating other women too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a mother, <laughs> I can really take on that shame and guilt about oh, not, not doing enough or oh. not. I mean, I, as a, as a human, as a woman, I guess I can't say like we all, I'm sure we all feel shame and guilt, whether we have children or not, but I just am um, constantly thinking of that and constantly sharing that with people. But like you said, Corey, it's this. And so we know logically that we are good mothers, that we are trying our hardest, that we have the best, the best interests um, to love and protect our kids. But somewhere along the lines, we receive the message that we're not doing enough, that we're not good enough, that we, you know, we're not meeting expectations because we're not conforming to some societal standard. No, we're not being everything to everywhere everyone. all at once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this would be a good time to take a little break so we can regroup and I will, and we'll be back after the, these messages.